You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast, where Welsh rugby matters. A triumphant return for the Wanderer, Dan Killick. How are you, Dan? Very good. Sporting a nice Welsh town. It's a real one. A nice Welsh town, yeah. You haven't uh, commented on it, mind. No, it? I haven't. Yeah, but you, to be fair, you're always rocking a bit of a rocking a bit of a town, aren't you? Yeah, it's the olive skin. Well, it's the olive skin, or it's the sunbeds. Uh, it's the sunbeds in Kew that you go down and visit. I don't know whether it's fine weather over that way. Yeah, well, yeah, it must the be. The sun is always shining. But you're uh, back, refreshed, and ready to ready to get stuck into mm. some meaty rugby action. Yeah, it was a good break. Actually, enjoyed it. It's, um, yeah, it's needed. You know, when you go away and you just think, oh, it's lovely just to switch off, spend a bit of time with the farm. So yeah, back now. And um, yeah, I did miss the rugby. You miss it when you when you've had a bit of time away, even though it was only nine or ten days. I know. And uh, the results haven't been fantastic, but I still missed it. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a strange thing, isn't it? It's a very strange thing. And you must have enjoyed yourself so much that you've come back so energised. You've written the questions for Fact or Fiction again, which has happened a grand total of twice in um, <laughs> three years. In three years but... Yeah, I've written it in a silver pen that uh, I borrowed from Victoria. And I, I can't actually read... Um, I can't read my writing at the best of times, yeah. but in the silver thing, it's quite difficult. So well, yeah, I look forward to lots of questions about whether Nigel Walker should be starting for Wales or uh, however you manage to decipher your questions. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get stuck into that in just a moment. As always, quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades before we get underway. Uh, I needed a, a, couple of cu- a couple of cups of uh, So Coffee this afternoon just to... Uh, I had a big roast and needed something just to, just to perk me up. Yeah, I was lulling and it's... Uh, it does it's, the job, that. It does the job and it's got yeah. me feeling yeah perky enough for, for an evening session talking rugby with you, Dan. So if you want to do the same, get stuck in to socoffeetrades.co.uk or download the So Coffee app. Right, fact or fiction, the first part of the show. What are we, uh, what are we going for, Dan? Okay, so let's, um, we'll just go one to, one to five. Yeah, yep. that's fine. Well, I haven't seen off. any of them, so. So, 
Okay, number one, it's the poor standard of refereeing teams, mm. okay, and not so much the impartiality of said teams in games that is undermining the validity of the Pro 14 as a competition, fact or fiction. That's a great one to start with. So what the essence of this statement is, is that it's more about a lack of ability or, yeah. or consistently poor performance rather than Where? nationality or... Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say fiction here, actually, and I don't think that there is necessarily anything untoward by, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that an Irish TMO is is giving intentionally giving an Irish region the benefit of the doubt. But in terms of undermining the validity of a competition, how you can have a side that is that is funded by the Irish Rugby Union. And a match official that is also on the same payroll, you know, ultimately they're their employers. That to me completely undermines the competition. That's the issue with the validity right there, isn't it? Before there it it's is. even got going. Before it's got going, you can't have that. You look at that. You look at it, and again, people, you know, people quite often point this out on Twitter every single week. You know, say, "Oh, right, oh, Irish referee for an Irish game," or you know, or likewise, someone else. But that really does undermine the validity of it for me. And then when you couple it with poor, poor, poor performance. It's only going to put more spotlight and more scrutiny on the league. And it's not the league that's, that's got the best reputation or the most marketable league in the world at the best of times. So for me, I, you know, I, th- I think it, it does come down to a certain degree to the nationality. Not that I'm saying they're intentionally making those decisions, but the fact that you leave yourself open to that criticism completely undermines the validity. Yeah, I mean, this is all... This question has come about... Mainly off the back of the that Cardiff Blues yep. decision, which well, it'd be good to get your take on it. Yeah, um, you know, it's taken taken Twitter by storm, isn't it? I've watched it a number of times. In my book, it's a try all day. Long. I think it's a try. I do. Yeah, I think his left hand is in contact with the post. The ball goes down, then his hand goes touching goal. I don't think. I think it goes from the it goes from the corner flag to the to the ground during which time he's got the ball down. So for me, it was undoubtedly a try and in a game of that magnitude it just really it's a real sour note to, to go out on all in all I think Connors were probably the better side in that game I thought they were the they did edge it didn't they I think they did I think Cardiff missed they had uh, something of a makeshift back row you know you had Seb Davis and Turnbull in there both of whom can play in the back row Turnbull's obviously played there a lot during his career but he's played more often than not in the second row and I think, you know, obviously Davis to me is a, is first and foremost a second row who can play a bit at eight. And I think that that really kind of affected them. Whereas, you know, you look at Connacht were a real nuisance at the breakdown, in particular mm. their back row. And um, oh, I, I tweeted out, what was his name? Paul Boyle. Six. The, the, uh, yeah, the, Six. He went the well blind side. He was terrific. Absolutely terrific. And Six. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of other decisions as well, weren't there, that were... Uh, very, well, I thought it was a knock-on think. straight away after yeah. the... Yeah. That, looked, that looked like a knock-on to me. And again, get a bloody camera angle that shows it properly. But watching it at first glance and then everything else, it it just... You know when you can tell from almost just going common sense? That, mm. to me, looked like a knock-on. Well, if we look at the the standard then of refereeing, it's not a, it's not a, quick, it's not a quick fix, is it? Because we haven't got enough... We haven't got enough uh, referees coming into the game 
I suppose they're, they're doing a, a good job now, aren't they, of bringing referees in, but to get them up to that level, mm. there's a massive void, massive gap, isn't there, between the, the top guys and then those, you know, those below and below that one more. It's, it's been an issue, isn't it, with the Pro 14 for a long time. Mm. Um, it actually feels to me as if it's getting worse. I don't know whether that's yeah. just a feeling or it actually is. I don't. I, I think it's been. You you could definitely look at the standard of officiating in the Pro 14 versus the English Premiership or versus the Top 14 or Europe, and for half a decade, it, you could look at look back across that period of time and say it's been it's been worse. And you can probably go back further yeah. than that. You're right. I don't, I really don't know how to address it. And the, I don't. And the TMO decisions as well. They should be. No matter what what sort of level you are as a referee and what ability you've got, between four people, mm. you should be able to make the right decision. It just has to be... You've got to get it right, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and there's been so many occasions where they've got it wrong. I, yeah, I know. It's, it's hugely frustrating. And to be honest, I do think there's a wider issue of the TMO and how it's used and the potential negative effect. I, I think we're kind of in a... A situation at the moment where we use it for lots of things, and really, I think it should be there for. I, you know, to go back to your your point then about between four of them, they should get it right. In a way, I think between four, you've got this kind of decision by committee, and I think a TMO really is there to to help bring clarity to a to an unsure decision, and or you know, or to to pick up on an error. I just think there's too much. For example, like forward passes is driving me mad now. That should just be done by the, the on-field ref, I think. And if the ref doesn't pick it up, then that's it. We have too much... You know, I don't know if you saw the, the Dragons one last week yeah. uh, in, the, in the draw. It's just like, you know, to go back for that, it was marginal at best. You know, I, to me, it looked, it looked legitimate. And I just think it's frustrating because you, you can lose that moment of brilliance that's really exciting because it's been chalked yeah, I mean, off. The number, the number of the tries are... You know there are forward passes involved, but it's it's great to watch. And if it if it goes for one team, invariably there's there's one yeah. that goes the other way as well. And in terms of engagement, isn't it, and making it a bit of a spectacle for the crowd, it makes a massive difference, isn't it? Otherwise, the whistle's blown, back you come, well, it's, and you get this stop-start staccato yeah. in games, which none of us really want. Well, and the inconsistency within there. You know, if you look at the, yeah. you take go back to the Six Nations and that amazing try Josh Adams scored against Scotland massive forward pass in there hmm. and then that wasn't even referred back so you have this weird scenario where you've got blatant forward passes that aren't getting picked up or referred and then you have the most fractional ones that are chalking off great tries I just think I, for me forward pass is something I'd, I'd take away and say you can't go to TMO for that I'd have it for for grounding and I would have it for serious foul play so you know if someone has Chin someone mm. off the ball and it's not been spotted. Great. So give, more, give more power to the referees on the pitch. Yeah, I would. And um, just get on with it. And yeah, and more kind of, just yeah, let, let's get on with yeah, it. I'd, I'd be for that. I liken it a little bit to, you know, in, in cricket, you have, like in test match cricket, where you've had more involvement from the video referees and, and DRS, stuff like no balls often just gets completely overlooked. And again, the no ball used to be something that the umpire took care of. Mm. And you will have a decision yeah. that's that's chalked off because of a, a no ball review, but at the same time you're also having no balls that are going completely undetected because umpires just aren't looking at it anymore. So 
I think it's just it's just finding that right role for it, and at the moment, I don't I don't think it's helping. Well, we, we, it'd be interesting to go back and look at a number of the decisions that have been made that are, that were wrong, mm. still including the TMO, because we could rattle off a load of them now, you know, yeah. throughout the Six Nations, yeah. you know, year on year, and if it, if it's brought in to make the right decision, and it's not. <laughs> It's yeah. often invariably the the wrong decision still being made. What's the point of it? Yeah, and and just having clarity on exactly what the rules are. You know, we have we often go through a lot of rule changes, which rugby is quite a complicated game. And the more we add rule changes into it and different directives, I understand that it's got to be there, and especially the ones that are in there for player safety. But again, I don't think it helps matters. I don't think it helps fans. I don't think it helps it helps the the officials either. So. Yeah, it's it's just a bit, but Pro 14 in yeah. particular is, is an absolute mess. Okay, so coming back to it then, you're going with fiction. Yes, I'm going with fiction because I think nationality does have something to do with it. I'm somewhere in between. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fact and fiction. Friction. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? Um, okay, number two, Woods will win the Masters. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> I have got it on actually, we should have had it on in the background. Yeah. I watched a lot of it yeah. yesterday. That's heating up, isn't it? Can I ask you on that? Tiger Woods, you're a fan or not? There's, yeah, sort of. I, I am really. I think mm. he's. Um, I don't know. He's just been around for so long, isn't yeah. he? And part of the part of the game. And I suppose there's there's a story behind him, isn't there? Well, there's a few stories, but but that's what I'm more I, interested in. I was never that interested, and I know like golf fans will slate me for this, but when he was the you know winning championships left, right, and centre, it just bored me because I knew, oh, well, Tiger will win it again. Tiger will win it again. I think it's much more interesting where you've got. Loads of different players who can go into it and, yeah. and win it, and I just never really warmed to him. And you know, lots of people, well, the vast majority of people obviously did, but yeah. Anyway, that's just my. So I just, I just can't. Do, and even now, I'd look at it and go, "My God, what a story that would be to come back from, yeah. from you know, not only the public indiscretions, but the just being continual no injuries, in, in, yeah, to go and do it. And it would be a story, but it, I just, yeah, it I would just, be. There's a lot I of just, people. I just don't like the fella. There's yeah, a lot of people it. backing him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so number two, real number two, Sean Edwards mm. remaining as Wales defence coach will determine how successful Pivac's reign is. Um, no fiction. Oh, I, 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 I can't be as brilliant a defence coach as he is, and I think it'll be a big boost. You don't think with with him coming in, those very, very that early, you know, that initial sort of. Uh, initial period then of mm. it's a massive step up for him Edwards will be able to just sort of guide him along outside of the defence his defensive duties just sort of you know that constant with the players knowing that that Edwards is there mm. I think that'll be a massive comfort to, to Pivak and also a huge comfort to the players knowing that he's there you don't think it'll it'll sort of define I don't think it'll define I think it'll help I do think it'll be a I do think it'll be a a positive impact there. It takes away that degree of uncertainty, that kind of like vacuum that we're going to have after over a decade of Gatland and, and his cohorts being in charge. But in the same way that, you know, having presumably Neil Jenkins will stay there as well and, you know, will continue to do his role. And I know obviously Edwards will do a lot more and is really kind of integral to that. But I, I you know, I think what is going to determine Pivak's success as I think is often the case in international rugby with head coaches, is you will win it on your selection, yeah. and that selection is going to be the big, the big thing. You know, we've seen good coaches 
not be good head coaches. Stuart Lancaster, prime example, you know, has done fant- fantastic work at Leinster. And, you know, again, people who've, who've worked with him rate him really, really highly, but he wasn't a, a good international head coach. He wasn't able to get the most out of that side. And I think selection had a big, a big part to play in that. Well, so, was he allowed to pick the players he wanted to? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I'm sure we will find out at some point in time. It's going to be. A, it's going to be a good book. I'm, deter- I'm sure there's going to be a book that comes out from him. I yeah. want there to be. Yeah. Again, yeah. You don't know whether he's the kind of guy who's just let's keep it behind closed doors. But and well, he's done so so far, hasn't he? And that's off to him. I'm, I'm convinced. Yeah. Something, something yeah, like there could well be. But you know, that might have been part of his, you know, part yeah. of his settlement payout that he's not able to say anything. You just don't know, do yeah. you, in these scenarios? But. No, I think I think it's going to come more down to selection and and the direction that he's able to to bring. And when they're in a tight spot, you know, you t- take that example of Wales being sixteen or down to France. If there was any coach in the world you'd back to to rally the troops and go out for the second half, it would be Gatland. And that's the that's the kind of thing that I think is way more important. How you how you behave as a leader, what your selection's like, your tactical substitutions, you know, because you don't have as much time with them. So I think, look, Edwards will add a huge amount and it will definitely help. But on those big core decisions... So it's the selection? The I, think, selection. I think selection's the, the one real big, uh, the, the number one attribute you need to be a fantastic head coach at international level, in my opinion. And we've often said that Gatland, time and time again, gets that right. Yeah, I, I think so, Absolutely. Um, do you think Pivac? Because Pivac's people have questioned the number of his, of his decisions, hmm. the selections rather, particularly this uh, yeah. this campaign. Do you think it'll actually be harder, as opposed to easier, for him being the Welsh coach? Because there is going to be there's going to be greater choice. So you could say, well, he's got more people to pick, more quality. Hmm. So the chances of him of him, um, you know, making a poor a poor option then. Are probably less likely, but you could flip it on its head, couldn't you, and say it's actually going to be a, a damn sight harder. I would say it's no. I, I think it is going to be easier for him to make the right decisions. Look, if you've got a set of players to to deal with, let's let's take the that high profile one at Christmas. I think we might have mentioned this at the time, but Hadley Park's playing a ten, backfired massively. He's not a ten, and he was a twelve. He wasn't perhaps in his best vein of form, and moving him and giving him more pressure and responsibility definitely didn't help but at the time he didn't have Patchell to choose from and he'd obviously there was something about Dan Jones that um, that he just simply didn't fancy whether it was defence or attitude or whatever it might have been so in that scenario if he's faced with that at Wales and you know let's use number 10 as an example again and he's got let's say you know Biggers injured and he's got then a uh, an option of Anscombe and maybe Anscombe's massively out of form. Don't oh, patch all about Patchell's defensive systems. Well, then he's got Jared Evans to look at. You know, and that, they're the kind of things that I think where you've got that strength in depth. It's, yeah. It gives you which we've got now for the we do. for the first time. Mm. So it's it's so you say it'd be it'd be easier for him then because of the strength in depth that it's not easy. But I think it's, I think it's easier to have. Mm. It's easier to have those things to those players to choose from and that's what he'll be paid the big bucks for it doesn't mean he's going to get it right but I'd rather have a situation where I've got lots of players to pick from who are all good than than having a smaller pool and and it not being as big a part of the job interesting okay so you're going going fiction then I'm going I'm going fact actually yeah I do think it'll determine um how well he goes 
up to a point. I do think it's going to... And uh, I think Matthew Armstrong's tweeted in, isn't he, saying about um, it would be interesting to see how how it works with Byron Hayward. Mm. How, how, you know, how exactly they're going to be able to sort of almost... Are they, are they job share? You know, what it. Yeah, it'd just be interesting to see the dynamics there and how that works. Is it going to be a handover? Is he going to ease him in and then um, and then go from there? But I, I think it'll it'll definitely shape the way in which um, the way in which the the Welsh side sort of develops under under Pivac because Pivac's always had a strong strong coaching team around mm. him, and he'll need an even stronger team for the for the for this Welsh job, especially when he's coming in. And taking over from Gatland, who mm. has just done uh, an unbelievable job with the resources he's had over the years. So, yeah, I'm I'm going fact on that. Okay. Um, Define is the bit that I think is the the most controversial part of that statement. Mm. Yeah. We fire on to question three, so we can yeah. statement three. Okay. So let's go with um, with the dragons. Unlikely to be able to attract a top-class coach, so a first-rate coach now. Yeah, um, they'll be no better off in making this next appointment. Fact or fiction? Well, if that is the case, fact. I've said before. I think the most important thing that the Dragons need to do is a, is a head coach ahead of any other recruitment. We've said this a couple of times on here. Can you see anybody coming in though? And, and taking this job because unless they're mm-hmm. paying serious money well part of me wonders whether that's going to be and, and I well they have to they? I think you either look at it and say right and this is where this, this reset stuff has left it's left every region in a, in a mess not being able to get some conclusive answers out of Project Reset and the particular flavour of mess that it's left the Dragons in is not knowing what they are and you either either the union and or buttress or individual benefactors come in and say, right, we are going to appoint, we're going to pay good money and appoint a real class coach here. Either that happens or they may as well downgrade it to a, to a development region or fold it or whatever, because that is the, the thing that I think is really missing there. I still maintain there are class players at that club and... In particular, the the young talent coming through. I've said it before. You know, you know who these players are. Mm. There's terrific talent there, and it comes through time and time again. But without that structural organisation around them, it almost doesn't matter how it how almost doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, especially no, when they especially when they're young. Mm. You know, and you, well, even when they're even when they're uh, when they're established, you need a first rate coach, don't you? Hundred um, percent. I'm just struggling to see. I'm struggling to see who would, you know, we said about Pat Lamb as well, you know, in the past when we went to, you know, did an unbelievable yeah, yeah, job, did, but yeah. there, you know, there was big money, there, there was big money on offer there for him. Yeah. Um, obviously Bristol, you know. And you're not and, getting him now, yeah. He's on, not, yeah, I mean, he's on, he's, he's on more than anyone in the world, isn't he? I mean, he's, the, the amount of money he's on is, is unbelievable. Big win on the weekend for them. I don't know whether you saw the... Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't been, see that. Yeah, they, they beat, um, beat Saracen, didn't they? But... Um, yeah, I, I, I just, it's going to be really difficult, isn't it, for them to attract a, a coach and any coach that goes there that is um, top dollar mm. is going to also want to know that they're going to be backed for a period of time with money coming in so they can actually turn around. Because you can, 
a coach will go in, yeah. like say Richard Cockrell went in. Yeah. He'll get them to a point yeah. where they'll 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 win a number of games. They'll be competitive. He'll 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 raise he'll raise the standards and that competitive edge. Blah blah blah. But they will then they'll they'll level out then. Yeah. No. And, absolutely. And any coach of that level is going to want to. They're they're not looking at the first year. They're they're looking they're looking at a three year program. They want to up their. Well, we've heard this before. Right. <laughs> yeah, we have. But they. But a proven, wow. a proven coach, then they're going to want to. They're going to want to look at, you know, a sort of. They want their stock to rise, don't they? As opposed to it being a a big risk. So the only one they're going to really be able to attract is is an, is an up and coming, an up and coming coach. Well, I'm glad you mentioned this, Dan. Actually, because you've given me the perfect segue to a question we've had from Jamie Phillips, obviously a long time listener to the podcast, and he says, "Question for you and Killick to answer on the pod." Dragons will announce their new head coach before Judgment Day. Out of the candidates that have been named so far, who would be the best man for the Dragons job? And has then given the shortlist of Kerry Jones, Graham Roundtree, Robin McBride, Rob Howley and Glenn Delaney. So let's work from that five, shall we? That feels like the, the right thing to do here. Now out of those, there are some very talented coaches from within that set, right? Whether or not they're they're proven kind of director of rugby style or head coaches, head coaches is yeah is is very much yeah. debatable. However, based out of those, I feel like McBride would be the one I would be I'd be looking at. I'll give you a few reasons why. Mm. First, you don't get anywhere unless you've got a pack that's competitive. Now, for a long time, Wales have had strength in the pack, right? And, of course, a certain degree of that is going to be down to the personnel. But the man overseeing it, in terms of the, the coaching when it comes to the national side, is McBride. And in a way, he's kind of been almost, the, almost in the background of, of, the, of the Wales setup. So I would be tempted to be looking at him, because if he's able to come in and lead the, lead the charge in terms of bringing that pack up to standard... And giving that kind of competitive edge, coupled with the fact that he's you know he's been employed by the union for a very long time, who now own the Dragons, I feel like that conversation is a bit easier to get started. So out of those five, he's the one that that I would be I'd be drawn towards for those reasons. That I think you can get the quick fix of, of bringing the pack up to speed, and you'd have to trust that that he's an international class. Head coach, if you know in Gatland we trust and all that, you know you'd have to. Evidence would suggest that that he knows what he's doing when it comes to the pack. And it was question marks, though, wasn't it, for a, for a good yeah. number of years over our our set piece? You know, yeah, line out scrum was faulty. I know of late, mm. um, we've seemed to have well seemed to have addressed the scrum anyway has yep. gone has gone particularly well, and the line out obviously well it finally fought. fired against Ireland didn't yeah, it, yeah. It, did, it did it did fire then yeah it, it you know went well and you take out the six nations we went mm. fairly well before that yeah but yeah I suppose all in all it's, it's quite a yeah that's my thought it's quite right? a good uh, a good case because with the young talent they've got if they can get the foundation up front mm. then at least the back the you know the young backs and 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 the young talent I include the the, the back row in that as well um They'll, they'll be able to conjure up a number of wins, mm. won't they? So I, I think the, you know, the first thing is they have to be more competitive. Getting thumped week in, week out is not helping anyone. And just to be in those games, 
we're going to need we're going to need our pack bolstered, and I think that does need a few more players, but it also needs it needs uh, a lot more organisation from a from a coaching perspective. So that's why I'm leaning towards him. Out of those five, is there any any thoughts you've got on any of the others? To be, I, I none of them really really um, interest me massively. No, I, I just think being being a being a head coach is so different to being a. Um, you know, to be in a, a, a backs coach then, mm. or or a defence coach, or um, you know, forwards coach is, is so different, isn't it? Um, you're also, you know, if we if we take um, if we take your case, then you know, with McBride, it'd be a big ask for him as well because he's going from he's going to be working day, you know, day yeah. in day out, isn't he, with with these players? Um, we can't underestimate having you know having just having Gatlin. Just having Gatlin in the room next to you must mm. be an absolute massive mm. boost. You must feel, you know, ten times taller, ten times stronger. I none of them really um, excite me then. Which brings us back to the point that we're not going to be but, able to attract yeah. someone of the of the top caliber who's yeah. going to come in. So you're going to need someone who has got a decent pedigree and is looking to to make that next step up into into head coach. And if it was going to be, if, if we're looking at Naturally, it's, it's going to be. We can't get carried away. I mean, it's going to be someone, you know, someone that is probably looking to make the make the next step up or or a sidewards move. You almost would want two. You'd almost want two of them coming in, wouldn't oh, yeah, you? And then, but yeah. again, funding is it's, it's not quite there. Um, no, I, 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 Rantree is is possibly the other one that that I'm I'm drawn to out of those. And again, I just think it's he's got a lot of experience. Coaching in and around international setups, again set piece. You'd expect him to to really kind of come in and improve. And character wise, he feels like the kind of guy we've seen him speak a couple of times as well, haven't we? Mm. And he feels like the kind of guy who's going to give you that leadership, and you'd want to go out and play for him. Yeah. So he's the other one that yeah. I would kind of be drawn towards. He, he'd be the, he'd be the top. He'd be top of the list, I suppose, out of those out of those for me. Okay. Yeah. When we mm. have seen him speak, I like the way he held the room. Yeah. Didn't he? You can imagine him holding the players' attention and. You know, I think sometimes the fact that he's not Welsh could act, could actually help. Mm. Could be, you know, could be a good thing um, because you know, say how say Howdy came in or McBride, the, the, the you know, the Welsh Welsh public will be on their backs yeah. so so quickly, even though you know they'll be looking to turn, they'll be trying to turn something around, and it's it's not going to be easy. No, it's not. But I think look, one thing we've learned from the whole Jackman scenario is there needs to be. Instant improvement in results. We cut. I appreciate there needs to be a long term plan, but first up, you've got to, you know, you've got to shore up the leaks, and you've got to make the side a lot more competitive. And yeah, I think that out of those, that they would be the two I'd be drawn towards. Right. Well, let's get stuck into a few more in just a moment. But before we do that, we're going to take a very quick break. Still plenty to come on this week's Attacking Scrum podcast, but first up, we're going to finish fact or fiction, and what you got for me, Dan? Okay, so Blues' lack of firepower up front mm. will result in them losing to the Ospreys on Judgment Day. Ooh, fact or fiction? Interesting. Oh, is a grimace. Hmm. Definitely need to have a little think about this one. You know. Should I put the no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 
Yeah, let's have a little look at this. I I would say, as we said in the first half, they find it difficult with the injuries of late. I still think, actually, if you're looking in terms of recruitment, Blues need to be looking at a bit more uh, by way of the, the Type 5, and in particular the the second row. They keep going, sign some more wingers. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like, I think that's that's definitely where they need to be looking. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some talk possibly about Bullbring coming in. I think he'd be an astute signing. Good signing, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know, reuniting with Earl. You've got a gnarly couple of second rows in there. Uh, but number, number eight. Yeah, number eight would definitely be a need yeah. for a Number for eight, recover. second row hooker, isn't it? Yeah, I th- yeah I definitely. I think that's about right. But in terms of this, for this game in particular, you know, the Ospreys have looked, uh, looked a lot better in the last couple of games. I mean, obviously, Southern Kings are a a pretty poor outfit and they, they duly put them to the sword. I was impressed with how they went against the Cheetahs. Yeah, I was. I well. thought they, they created a lot more. So I do think we're on for a really interesting game here. I'm going to that one. I'm look, really looking forward to Judgment Day, actually. And yeah, I feel like it's... And there's going to be a lot to play for in this game. Most, most has, is it most has ever been to play for, really, I'd say? It probably has, yeah. It's, it's, you know, yeah. I think it. Yeah, it's, it's one way. Politics, you, it's been sold already. Yeah, and it, you know, and it normally does well. I know a lot of people moan about the atmosphere and stuff, and you know, I, I get that complaint. But at least there is going to be something riding on the game, and realistically, this is likely to be the, the shootout for, for who gets that fourth spot for the European playoff, yeah. and, so yeah, I think that's that's going to be very very interesting. <sighs> Who's going to have the battle up front? Is that where this game's going to be won or lost? Yeah, I think it probably is. You just think, yeah, with you know, with the Blues injuries. But you yeah. look at you look at what they did to Scarlets the, you know, two weeks ago or whenever that was, and they absolutely took them apart. And it was all in the backs. It was just they got in a position where they were just so creative and and they yeah, cut them to absolute shreds. But the Ospreys will, the Ospreys will know that they'll want to they'll want to get the ball away yeah. from. You know, from any contact as quickly as possible, they're as dangerous a side as any, really, aren't they? Um, in the backs, but I, the Ospreys are, you know, when it really matters, and they got the they got some big boys back. They mm. are they are they're a cute side, aren't they? And they'll they'll look to strangle, I think, the uh, the Cardiff Blues. I liked the look of the pack that they picked the other day. Nicky Smith is in really good form, yeah. and he, he is, is you know he is one of Wales' most. Most improved, most improved players. He's right up there. Him and Thomas Francis this this season have, have made a massive impression up front. I think, and you know, even though he didn't didn't feature as much in the in the Six Nations as he had in the autumn, he's got a bright future ahead of him, and I think he's playing really, really well. The in the second row as well, though Adam Beard is starting to you know starting to really show us what he's what he's made of, and on top of the the kind of the the hard work that he was doing around. You know the the tight areas. He showed some really nice touches of ball in hand. Bradley Davis again, you know, getting two tries at the weekend. But he is a you know he's exactly the kind of player that, that the Blues could probably benefit from at the moment. Obviously, they know all about him. It's two it's two big second rows there. Isn't yeah, it? you know, you think the Blues if they're looking if they're trying to fill in with, I mean, even the second rows they've got a lightweight mm. actual second rows. Yeah, you know, then putting someone in there to fill it, you can see where. Where this question's come? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I really can. I think it. I think it's going to come down to the breakdown. And if Tipperick's able to get in there and slow ball down, uh, likewise players like Nicky Smith is able to to get in there and they can't. Always got a few turnovers in him. Oh, absolutely. And Cardiff can't get the quick ball, then I think you you probably are looking at a scenario where 
Ospreys will, will come out on top. But you, you can't underestimate how how dangerous these these Blues backs are. So, you know, again, I think a lot of it will come down to the kicking game. And, you know, if they're able to, to pull that off and play in the right areas, then that also might negate a bit of the, the threat that's posed around the breakdown. But, yeah, but look, I suppose if push came to shove and you pointed a gun at my head, I'd, I'd be inclined to just say fat there. I think the Ospreys will probably go in just about favourites just because of the just because of the pack. What do you think about this one? I yeah, I believe the Ospreys I'd have them down as as sort of narrow favourites then just mm. in front, which is a bit of a U turn really if we you know if we go back so They've not like, impressed only, me most of the season. No, only three weeks ago mm. they, you you know you you'd have the blues there, wouldn't you, ahead of them. But um yeah, I, I've got a feeling I've got a feeling that the Ospreys will will do a job there. Yeah, I think the thing with the Ospreys this season is they've missed they've missed their big players. And when Tipperick and Alan Wynne Jones and Nicky Smith, those boys are off with the the national side, I think it makes a big yeah. a big impact. They've been a very different side, haven't they, without without those guys. Yeah, I think they have. And that coupled with the fact that they played some very what's the word? Conservative rugby. They kicked the ball more than anyone in the league. It's a polite way of Yeah, and it's, it. it's not been pretty and it hasn't always worked. And they've not looked particularly great this season. But fair fair play, in the last few weeks, they've managed to put themselves in a position where although they're not playing anywhere near the eye-catching rugby the Cardiff are playing, they put themselves in a position where they've they could be onto a you know to another shot at Europe. So And it's it's so much it's it's a lot better to watch. Oh, it's yeah. they're, they're they're winning. You know the ten. You know, we mentioned this last week with Murph. Actually, yeah, what, yeah, I was keen to get your take on it. Uh, he does seem to be making making a difference, doesn't he? Um, we when we went down and watched, um, you know, we went down to um, the Saris preseason yeah, game, HAC's ground yeah. Yeah, in the city, because we were looking at him. Weren't we think, who, mm. who who's this guy? Because he doesn't he doesn't resemble any you know, classic rugby player, does he? But you could see that you could see that they were—I can't say they were favouring him, but you, mm. favouring him at that point. Could you? But you could see they were. There was a lot of chat coming from him because we looked over and we thought this guy—he looked like um, sort of a relatively young coach, didn't he? That was yeah. dishing out orders. We we're like, hang on, look at this chap. Yeah, and, and then you realise it was Luke yeah, Price, he was, yeah. was marshalling the troops, yeah. wasn't he? And so there's obviously something in it that they really like. Well, subsequently um, he was picked for that first game of the season. Yeah, where you'd imagine you go. You go with the more. You go fully loaded at home, don't you? Yeah. And what happened in that game? He broke his leg, missed a large chunk of the season. Now yeah. he's back fully fit. He's in the he's in the starting lineup, and a lot of chat about Sam Davis potentially leaving the Ospreys. So I think he's obviously held in a certain yeah. amount of high regard down there. It's great to see him back as well after a nasty break as well. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think he's playing well. He's, he's looking decent. So yeah. Um, okay, so we'll move on then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this is a big if. Okay, this one. Right? Right, here we go. If if England were to lose one of the Vunipolas mm. from the national setup, it would comfortably be Billy over Mako. Right, okay. Now, this is a Welsh rugby podcast, isn't it? It is, but obviously with what's uh, what's what's happened what's happened with Billy Vunipolo and Falau, um, yeah. it was just something that, that me and Dav were having a chat about yeah. um, last night over a beer. Um, we need to turn the microphone on when you're having one of these chats with Dav because he's he's sorely missed on this podcast. Yeah, he's um, 
he's an elusive character when it comes he to trying to get him on. We will get him on one day with his notes. We need that. We need that back for the World Cup. We do definitely. Yeah. He's going to be our. He's, he's yeah. be our Reese Webb. He's, he's been injured. The parachute for, him in for a long time. Yeah, get him in. We need. We need his uh, right. Okay, so. Say that again. So, so what we're saying is, if England were to lo- yeah, if England were to lose one of the Vinopolas from the national setter, yeah, it would comfortably be Billy. So they'd rather you. So what you're saying is England Billy would rather lose Billy than Mako. Yeah, mm. it's 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 a you know, it's a question that it's it's, well, it's fiction, isn't it in itself? But it, I just yeah, wonder, it'll, it'll open up and we can have a little chat about. <laughs> well, I'm keen to get your take on the the whole Falao incident at some point but right let's start with that part of the question right so if you're coaching that side who would you I mean look they're both absolute class players they, they are. are they are really really good players but mm. I'll, I'll... I, I think you'd probably I think Billy is more important to the way they play I think England are a good you know a good side or a very very beatable side dependent on their back row I think everything hinges on that and we've seen them be much more competitive in this year's Six Nations in the autumn because they have picked a seven for the first time since Neil Back. And that has made a big, big difference. I think so much of it comes down to the balance in the back row and having Billy there to help drive them forward or to be a decoy is a, is a massive impact on the way they play the game. So I would be inclined... And he's, I think he's just that, that star factor that he brings. So I would be inclined to go for him... As fantastic a player as Mako is, I think that I think that Billy's more influential on the way that they on the way that they play. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you there, which is a bit of a common theme of, uh, of yeah. tonight's of tonight's pod. Um, I think Mako mm. is is the one that they they wouldn't want to lose. Actually, um, I think he is the the work that he gets through. As a front rower, is yeah. there's nobody really in that England setup that can do what he does in the front row. Um, scrummaging is coming; he's been questioned, isn't it, at times? But he seems to he does a, he does a, a good enough job there yeah. now, and you know holds his own. Um, and I actually think that that Billy Vinopola is is a bit of a is a luxury is a is a luxury player, um, non-existent going backwards. Um, very good carrying, but I think when he plays, you know what he's going to bring. Now, the difficulty then is stopping him. But I, um, yeah, I think that if they were to, you know, if they were to lose him, he's almost like a player that you'd want on the bench, really, to mm-hmm. make impact coming on. Um, I just think there's a, there's a, there's a. If they were to look at, if they were to look at a number of other eights that play in England, and we'd probably get a Murph get Murph's take on it because he watches a, a damn sight mm-hmm. more. Than I do of that, that they'd have a really, really nice balance there in that back row. So, bit of a bit of a bit of an odd one to ask, but while we're off topic, Tiger Woods has won the Masters. Has he? <laughs> has he really? Yes. Hey, there we go. Oh, I bet. Fact. I bet there's loads. Question of, number two. I bet there's loads of Tiger fans amongst our listenership as well, and I'm going to be massively unpopular. But what's new there? Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's look. Let's let's bring this back to what is obviously. Yeah. Prompted, prompted this that. and this is Israel Falau's Instagram slash social media his latest social media indiscretion which has ultimately yeah. ultimately cost him his contract with the Australian rugby side 
I mean, I don't know, I don't know where to begin there, really. There's, what it seems to me is there's been a lot of... It's kind of been split down the middle and people have gone into the freedom of speech versus this is homophobic. And I kind of think that that's where the crux of this whole issue lies. And personally, I think the Australian Rugby Union have handled it well. I think he's he's been warned about this previously. And I've seen a couple of people say this on social media. Freedom of speech doesn't mean... Freedom of confidence, uh, freedom of um, consequence. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, you you can't just say things, and yeah. and that's all right. You know, if that's part of his religious beliefs, then that is what he believes. You can't tell him what to believe. But at the same time, if what you say is putting your employer in a position where they could be seen to be condoning that, then I really don't think they have an option. I think they had to tin him off and. You know, you think they're going to want to do that? An Australian side that has in, been in absolute turmoil, and he's last thing they're going to want to. And he's, do. he's the star man, isn't he? Utterly world class player, one of the you know, an, a real phenomenal player, unplayable on his day. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not going to want to do that. But in the interests of the game, and the game in you know in their country and the, the wider game, they have done it and. I would be inclined to to back them up on it. It's not as straightforward as that, but I just think you have to look at it and say, right, he's been warned about it, and and there are consequences. You know, if you if you tweet something controversial in your job, Dan, you will face consequences, right? Yeah. I mean, admittedly, yeah. it won't be seen by as many people, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. there there are consequences to be faced. So yeah. for me, it comes down to you know what what matters more to rugby freedom of expression or ensuring that we kind of curb any homophobic sentiment well yeah. to me it's a no-brainer it's the second yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm with i'm with you it's um he's been warned hasn't he before mm. he hasn't he hasn't changed he hasn't sort of curbed anything at all yeah and so he had to go yeah there's there's no two ways about it. he had to go and he needed to go and they've done they've done exactly the right thing um for me a, a you know, a big part of it is that, um, you know, the, the the comments that he's that he's made will, you know, will or could then, and probably and probably will, have an effect on a number of people. Mm. Um, they just will, and you know, no one will ever really know about that. Yeah, definitely. You never really know the damage that something like that can can cause, and um, it will undoubtedly have had an effect on. On people and, and almost like the, the bigger this is now because it's a storm, isn't it? Yeah. The almost the more publicity it gains, mm. and the, then the more people it actually affects. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah. you know, if we bring that on then to you know to Billy Vinopola liking, you know, well liking the comment, not only liking the comment, making a comment himself as well. That's then adding. F- that's that's then. It's not promoting it, but it's almost giving it more more fuel to the fire. And again, it's 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 whipping up, you know, whipping mm. up a storm, and and more and more people will will be affected by it. So it's not good, is it? There was a number of other English players as well, uh, players rather as well that that, that like the comment. <clears throat> yeah. I, th- I think a number of them have have been probably uh, quickly advised to say that they were liking the person as opposed to the comment. Mm. Um, I don't really know anybody that likes, a, you know, when you like something, you don't like it because you like the person. You, you 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 tend to like it because you agree with the comment. Uh, that's yeah, my take I, on it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, 
you know, you, you may like a photo, but you, you don't, you know, mm. you don't like, a, you don't like, a, I don't know. It's just no, I, th- I think that the really big thing there, like you say, is this is a high profile athlete and by posting a statement like that, what it really does is I, I think that the big negative that there, there could well be as part of this is anyone who is gay, who is involved in rugby in any way, you know, that if, if you're being seen to, to condone that kind of a statement, it gives a sense of not being welcome within there. And that to me is a bigger, is a bigger concern and a bigger thing that rugby needs to protect than saying, right, well, athletes can say what they want. I just don't think you can. And to be honest, I think the I think they've done, they've done the right thing here. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I know we spoke about it off air, didn't we? That that Nick Heaths mm. um, did a uh, a short video, which has um, you know has, has been retweeted a huge number of yeah. times, and rightly so, and, and 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 liked you know a huge number of times. I think he, he's absolutely hit the nail on the head, and it's something that I didn't really. It, it didn't. It struck a chord with me that the way Nick said that it's. Um, out of all the things that that Izzy Falau listed, mm. um, it's the one that you being, don't have a choice. Being gay, he, he, he didn't have a choice. He said, "I was, I was, you know, I was born that way." Mm. And that really, it was so simple and so well put that it just really hit home. That yeah, yeah it isn't a choice. You know, you have a choice to have a drink and do all these other things, but that is you're born that way. And um, it was quite an emotional video from him. I mm. think uh, you know underneath and. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that he had to he had to actually produce something like that. Mm. But but fair play to him for doing that because you know the damage that that, that these sorts of things will do will you know as we said will be will be big probably and a video like that yeah. will hopefully counteract some of that. Well, um, again, r- rugby is a sport that is steeped in inclusivity. Really, you yeah, know, it's, it's a, yeah. there's a core set of values there and. In order to in order to kind of keep that keep the integrity that, that goes with rugby, there does need to be inclusivity. It needs to be a game that's that's open to to anyone, regardless of ability, of gender, of sexual orientation, of religion, of ethnic background. Everyone should feel welcome on the rugby field. And when a high profile athlete says something like that, then I'm afraid. That's a that's a really big issue. That's a really big issue, and and uh, that's that's the most important thing for me. And yeah, you know, look, it's, it's a controversial thing. I don't want to see him not play rugby, but I don't think he's I don't think he's left anyone with any choice. No, no, I'm sure it'll continue. It's going to continue on, isn't it, for uh, for a good while? Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's uh, look, it's it's not a it's not a straightforward issue, which is why I've kind of stayed away from. From social media on it this week, I didn't want to get dragged into, you know, into to putting out something that, that kind of almost fuels any. Yeah, well, there's enough. There's, there's, there's almost, an, you know, you don't need my take on it out there in in 240 characters. So I think it was more, you know, like it's better to discuss it when we've got the opportunity to talk about it in a, you know, in a more detailed environment. So yeah, yeah. There we go. Should we get back to rugby? Yeah. So yeah, final final question then, um, which is. Uh, a nice one to to end fact and fiction on. Scarlet's mighty impressive forty two uh, nil win over Zebra was just what Pivak deserved in his final match as Scarlet's head coach. Fact or fiction? Hmm. 
I'm going to say fiction because I don't think you. Oh, I'm saying fact. Look, or, I don't think there's a question of kind of deserving it. I think you you reap what you sow, and what Wayne Pivak's if they'd have lost that game at home, really, what Wayne Pivak's legacy at the Scarlet sh- should have been was the title win, undoubtedly, and followed up with a, a Euro, you know, fantastic European run and uh, and another final in the in the Pro 14. You know, that that is his legacy, I think. And, you know, it's nice to sign off with a win, I think. Nice at home. Nice to sign off with a win at home. You know, potentially it still gives them something to play for as well, so they might still end up in a, in a European playoff, which generally is a good thing for, for Welsh rugby if, you know, if we can get... Side in the side in the Champions Cup. They're giving themselves a chance now, haven't they? Yeah. Still, still, well, fifth in conference, be one point behind Edinburgh and two points behind Benetton. So yeah, they've uh, yeah they've got to beat the Dragons, haven't they? Yeah, which on, one would assume they will on the twenty seventh. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know whether he deserves it or not. I think look, it's, it's good. It's good to sign off with a win. I don't know whether it, it doesn't paper over the cracks really of what's been a what's been a disappointing season for them, but at the same time. He'll be remembered for the for the good stuff that he that he did at Scarlets and and I think that's that's what's right. You know, that's that's the bit that he should be remembered for, and that's what I think he will. Well, what do you think on this one? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with fact. Yeah, keep keep the keep the theme going. Fine, we're in opposite opposite camps. Um, he's had a tough he's had a tough season. Um, I do think he deserved, you know. He deserved the win there. Yeah, I think the players, the players, you know, want needed to give that to him. And also, I think it's a lovely um, off the question a little bit. I think it's lovely for you know for Boyd, for Boyd who's departing, Bullbring, you know, Tom Price and Declan Smith as well. We haven't had a chance to discuss this. No. I, How is Will Boyd being allowed know. to leave Welsh rugby? If he doesn't end up at one of the other regions, that's absolute I mean, crime. It really is because if he goes over the bridge, he'll yeah. be a brilliant signing. The yeah, guy he, he plays, he plays a lot of games, yeah. week in week out, doesn't he? Plays anywhere in the back row. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe that. Um, I really couldn't. No, I can't. And you know, like, I don't know whether they they simply can't afford him or or what's going on here. But oh, I just think he's a class act, and he's been exactly the kind of player that. That served them really, really well because he's not, you know, he's not been away with Wales. Yeah. He's there the whole season through. That versatility and the ability to to play to a high level against top opposition. Yeah, he's, he's a fantastic yeah. club player. He's, he's had man of the match performances, isn't he? Yeah. At, at six, seven, and eight. Yeah, not just when he's been playing in his in his preferred position. So he's exactly what you want as a uh, in, in a club, isn't he? Not going to be away from Wales. Yeah, plays week in week out. Injury relatively injury free. That's your man. Yeah, I know. So it's just a real shame, and I don't know. Really peculiar. One. I don't know exactly what it is that's done it. You know, I don't know how much money he was looking for, or or what might have, what the reason for it might be. But you know, if we're not in a financial state to keep him there again, it just shows how the whole reset thing hasn't hasn't worked because he's exactly the kind of player that you need in and around a, a professional setup to keep to keep that kind of that stability. And yeah, you know, look, I. Well, we we've talked about him a lot, haven't we? Because yeah, how much we like him in McLeod. You know, McLeod's uh, phenomenal as well. A, by the way, great, weekend, yeah. he had a great game, didn't he? Yeah, uh, but tends to, doesn't he? Yeah, he Whenever does. He plays, he whether does. it's ten minutes off the bench, yeah, twenty minutes, or whether he's coming on for seventy. You know, yeah, after, after someone's picked up an injury, he starts. He's 
good player. Yeah, and again, you can only hope that whatever happens, that there are more players like this in the Scarlets region. You know, you hope that Dan Davis will go on, kick on, and and will be a you know will be a stalwart for the club. But it's a, it's a real shame because he's yeah. a, he's a terrific player. Just, it just doesn't make any. It, I, I it doesn't make any sense to me mm. that one. Um, I know that money's being. You say that we're not in a position to. I I, I can't quite. That doesn't ring true. You know, I think you've got to make, you've got to find, you've got to find the funds. Well, if the money's not there, the money's not there, isn't it? But it's, well, the money's um, been found, you know, for other, for other players, isn't yeah. it? And um, he, he is still there, isn't he? It's not like you. I know when you're you're re-signing, you're essentially, you know, you could you could look at it like you're bringing in someone in again, aren't yeah. you? And he's, he's he's vital. So anyway, odd. Yeah, very odd. It, does some of it come down to the fact that? Perhaps their recruitment's been off last season. I know we've mentioned that a lot throughout the season. Um, what well, in terms of them re, in terms of being able to resign? Have they spent too much money on on players who haven't perhaps cut the muscle well, this, yeah, they would this have, season? If they look at their return on investment, it's not been great, has it this year? Mm. And you know, in terms of you know, you can you, you also link that to you know if if, if they're not going to make. Yeah, there's a lot of money at stake, isn't there? Yeah. If if they're if they're not going to make the uh, you know the Champions Cup, and they're they're now reliant upon well, firstly they they've got to beat the Dragons, but then they also got to hope that that Benetton or Ed or Ed and, Ed, and Edinburgh or Ed or Edinburgh slip up mm. against Edinburgh and Glasgow on the same day. So they're they they're basically their their fortune is in the in the hands of the gods, isn't it? All right, quick bit of prediction then. Obviously, no fixtures that are involving. Any of the Welsh regions next season, and sorry, next week. Hopefully, there will be next season. <laughs> Freudian God, slip there. Yeah. Uh, what about Judgment Day? Quick predictions for that. So I think Ospreys. I think Ospreys will will narrowly beat the Blues. Mm. Um, I do hope that's going to be a really open game, but I can't see it. I think it's going to be a, a mm, tight, 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 tight affair. Um, and then. It, I, the Scarlets will uh, will beat the Dragons. Yeah, I think Scarlets will beat the Dragons with a bonus point. As for the other, I'm really, I'm really torn about this. I think it just all depends on how the game goes. If it's loose early on and Cardiff can get on the front foot, then I think it. Yeah. They will. They are the better side overall, but the injuries at the moment I think are are playing a are playing a part. And yeah, if the Ospreys can can slow the ball down then then I think they've got every chance of coming away with that but it's, yeah and, it, and it's going to be quite a cagey affair because there's a lot on the line there's a lot there's a, huge there's a amount, lot on it? the line if Navidi was playing that then would be very very different for me yeah I think it would um, I think because I think he the, the difference he makes is, is monumental really it's that it's that he makes that much of a difference yeah um, so yeah I've, I've, I'm switching I've, I do think that the Ospreys will just clinch it but yeah, be a be a cracker for you, you know, for you to go to. Yeah, looking forward to that. Really good game, and hopefully we've got a. I think is it forty two thousand potential tickets? I think have already been sold. So hopefully there'll be a good few more. Yeah, and get so. a real good, real good atmosphere there. Yeah, I know we've mentioned this before, but I'd really like to see this at the start of the season, rather than yes. now. It's good that there is something riding on it now, but you know that optimism that there is at the start of every yeah. season, and you know, like because we. <laughs> We get we get a bit weary at the end of this season, at the end of every season. I'm going, oh god, god you know, I'm looking forward to a few weeks off doing the podcast. But then by the time the season rolls around again, we're like, oh god, just can't wait to yeah. can't wait to get really for the rugby, rugby to get back. And I almost just think like that level of 
of optimism and ahead of the new season would be a great time to showcase rugby to the to the masses and bring in a, to bring audience. in an audience. Yeah, the players themselves, I think, would really like it. Coaches, fans, just provide a bit of a catalyst for for the for the league, which the league needs. Let's be honest. Yeah, it does. Isn't it? Yeah, it does. So I, I'd really like to see it at the start of the season. But anyway, it's good that there are a few things riding on it as we go into the as we go into the final round of fixtures. But uh, let's finish on this one, Dan. Player of the week and week to forget. Player of the week. Do you want to throw a few suggestions at you? Yeah, well, Josh McLeod being one of them. Josh McLeod would be one. Johnny McNichol in that same game was was fantastic. Yeah, he was absolutely superb. Should he and will he play for Wales? Yeah, I think he will play for Wales. Um, He's, you know, if you look at the... When the Scarlets when the Scarlets win, mm. he's always involved. He either, either, either scores himself or creates. Often he's creating. Yeah. Pops up in all different positions. The only th- we have seen was so Steph Evans in in the good days for Steph. Yeah. He, he'd be popping up, wouldn't he? At ten, yeah. all over the shop. Obviously, when he comes into Wales, then you you you, you can't do that as easily as you can with um, uh, with with a, with a club side. Yeah. But I think McNichol is different. I think he's a diff- he's a very different player to Steph Evans. And I do think he's got he's got the caliber. Should to... he play for Wales? Um, should he? Well, um... this is one to throw at you after an hour of rugby <laughs> chat, isn't it? Yeah, I need one of Scott's coffees now. Um, <laughs> I mean, the residency. So the residency is getting changed in twenty twenty, yeah. isn't it? And to, to everyone five. else is at it. If that is a defence, yeah. I mean, it it doesn't. I'll be honest, it doesn't sit that well with me, mm. really. Um, but the rules are there that you, you're going to, mm. you know, you, you, everyone else is doing it. Yes, you're going to end up doing it yourself, aren't you? But from a from a, from a, from a personal point of view, I, I'm not a big fan of it, no, yeah. because I just think it 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 it, um, it kind of devalues then um, the shirt a little bit. A couple of other players for you then, Dan Evans. Another hat trick. Adam Beard, I thought, played very well in that game. And then you've got who from Cardiff impressed me. Mm. Slightly trickier on that. Mm. Owen Lane again, I thought. Yeah. Eye catching. Yeah, Lane. Any any of those in there uh, impressed you enough to take the player of the week? Well, I think I think McNichol's got to be. Yeah. I I'd probably say he edge it for me. I think right. he was very, very good. And what about week to forget? <laughs> week to forget. It's got to be any uh, any official, really, isn't it? Yeah. Just the uh, yeah the, the Pro Fourteen officiating board is in there, and we've they've been they've been on the week to forget quite a few times, haven't they? They and have they're back in there again. Consistency. We try not to put them in there. I'm not. They can't help. They're not helping <laughs> themselves. Know, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll not put them in there when it's when it's up to scratch, and at the moment it simply isn't. We put them in every week. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. They can have residency there. But anyway, that's it for another week on the Attacking Scrum podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. If you want to let us know about anything other than Tiger Woods, then please do so on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Uh, You can like our Facebook page. And of course, we've got a Facebook group, which is simply called Wales Rugby Fans. And you can get latest news on Instagram as well, which is Welsh Rugby Attacking Scrum. Finally, thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And a reminder, you can get your hands on 
some delicious coffees at socoffeetrades.co.uk. But that's it for another week. Thank you very much for listening. Podcast Network.